0: All right, so uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody pumped for Super Bowl Sunday? (laughs) That's that's, that's what 930 said as well. Uh, Any Eagle fans in the house? No? Yeah, we got some. I see. God bless you. I see that hand. Yeah. uh, uh, Patriot fans? Hope they both lose, fans. Yeah. It's just like most of you. Can they just both lose and go away? Let's be honest, though. For for most of us, I, I I don't mean to get you started early, but... It, we're not all that pumped about the Super Bowl. We're just trying to get emotionally prepared. thing is dying tonight. Is that? Are you with me? Like, <laughs> just like, how are we gonna? This whole crockpot thing? is sending some of us over the edge a little bit. Uh, just pull it together. We, he's still alive right now. All right. He's gonna be dead by the end of the night. So just, we'll we'll have a support group starting tomorrow after Jack has died. Um, We've been, we, we kicked off the year with this New to You series, and, and we're just asking, you know, what are some things spiritually that aren't necessarily new, but, but they might be new to you? You might be trying them for the first time, you, or, or, or maybe trying them for the first time in a long time. Uh, we, we talked about how we would love in 2018, as individuals and as, as a church, just to have a fresh sense of God's breath and wind and power uh, in our church, for all the great things we've seen him do <clears throat> over the last couple of years, I would just love for him to to do something fresh in us, and and that that would probably require us doing some new things, like us making some new commitments, some spiritually taking a step forward. Um, t- today's going to be like that. I- I'm going to ask you to consider in 2018 doing something. That's new to you. Uh, I want to go to uh, Acts chapter 1. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. He's spent time with his followers and now he's gone back to heaven or he's getting ready to go back to heaven and he has this conversation with his followers in Acts chapter 1. Then they, his followers, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Which had been their question the whole time they'd been following Jesus. And every time Jesus kept saying, this is the wrong question. Stop asking that question. I'm tired of that question. It's like dealing with kids, right? Stop asking that question. Stop asking why. Are we there yet? Just stop. Jesus had to keep saying, that's not the right question. And this is Jesus' response He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, look, you've asked me that a million times. I'm telling you, I'm not going to tell you the answer because it doesn't matter the answer. What matters is that you would allow God's Spirit to give you power so that you could go to places that don't know Jesus and where the gospel hasn't visited yet, and you would take the gospel there, which was, using my language, which was a new-to-you moment for the followers. Right? Jesus was saying, look, this is going to be new to you, but we're not going to stay in this one little... And the ministry of the disciples had been geographically concentrated. Like this little part of the world, Jesus spent his three years. That's where the disciples spent those three years. Jesus gets ready to leave and and, and essentially says, look, this is going to be new to you, but we're going outside the circle. We're going all over with the gospel to let people know that Jesus has come and died and rose again and offers forgiveness and grace and mercy for all of our sins. We're going outside of the circle. Now, today... I want us to think about that. Where is God calling you, where is God calling me to step outside of the, the comfort circle or the known circle or the what I've always done circle so that His kingdom could advance more? Uh, we, we have a, a Awesome church. Like I love being here. I love being with you. I love singing with you. I love celebrating baptism with you. I like kids' ministry and youth ministry and all the great things that we've seen happen here at Journey, but like there's real needs outside of these walls. There, there, there are people who need you and your influence and your your love and and your acceptance and your your, your testimony. Off of this camp, outside of these walls. And so I'm gonna introduce you to some folks this morning who take that really, really seriously. Uh, They're wonderful parts of our church, but they take this idea that there are hurting people who need us that don't come to this church really seriously. And they're a part of our lead ministries to help people do that. And uh, I'll introduce them to you in just a minute. But they're going to join me on the stage now. Would you welcome my friends uh, who are going to help us uh, with the service today? I'll get back here so they can get by. One of the cool things as I was thinking about doing this and, and getting ready for today is I didn't have to go. Outside of Journey to find these folks, like all of these people are connected to Journey in some way, and so you've sat beside them on Sundays, and when you stand and sing, they stand and sing, and when you pray, they're praying. Right? They're a part of our family here at Journey, but you may not know what they do when they're not here, and so we're going to introduce several things to you. And here's here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you will pay attention to that moment when the Holy Spirit just kind of pings your heart a little bit. That moment where you go, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I might could do that. That little voice in the back of your head as one of these people's talking that just says, You need to follow up on that. Just listen for that today because it's going to happen. God's going to direct you in some way this morning. So uh, I'm not going to introduce them all right now. We'll just kind of go down the row here and let them tell you a little bit about what they do. Uh, The first one is Sean Richards. Sean is our uh, Journey Kids director here. And as I mentioned, our kids ministry produced what you saw this morning in baptisms, what you saw this morning in baby dedications. And I'm so grateful for how she leads here but this isn't the only place that she serves, and Sean's going to tell you about an area she serves in.
1: And I didn't know what all these guys did when we started the first time, so I'm even more excited because <laughs> there's so much good stuff up here. All right, well, I serve as an advocate for children. And in First John two one, the Bible tells us that we have an advocate before the Father, and that advocate is Jesus. And I am so thankful to know that Jesus is always advocating for me, and I consider it an honor and a privilege to be able to advocate for children and I serve with an organization called Alcovi Casa and they take care of every child in Walton and Newton County who come into care through defects so these are children literally in our backyards they're children that may go to school with your child they may live in your neighborhood they're literally right here among us and I am called a CASA, so you won't usually hear us referred to as advocates, but you'll hear us referred to as CASAs, and CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate, and really what you are is a trained volunteer who is appointed by a judge to advocate for abused and neglected children. That's what we do. And so some people say, well, what do you have to do in order to become a CASA? The first thing is really just to have a sincere desire for the well-being of children, if you care about children and you want what's best for them, then you're already, you're set up to, to succeed as a CASA. They have a training program. They will train you and prepare you for everything you need to be able to serve the children. We have a great staff that will email or get on the phone with you and help you any way that you need and answer any questions that you have and just guide you along the way. And all it, that we really ask for is a one-year commitment. So you get a case and you follow it through for a year and after you get through your training, And see what God does and see if you want to continue or if you think, no, that wasn't for me. But he will bless your heart with it, I promise. A lot of people say, well, how much time? My estimate is no more than three hours a week. Now, I work full time and I serve here at Journey. And so I'm able to still do it. So just because you work full time doesn't necessarily count you out for being able to to do it. Um, It takes a little bit more at the beginning when you're trying to get your feet under you and figure out the ins and outs of the case. But after that, it's not a whole lot. You visit the child once a month. You talk to parents. You talk to doctors, school officials. A lot of it's email. Um, Just anybody who has contact with the child, you're contacting them so that you know what's going on. Then you will gather the information on the child's situation. You'll attend court proceedings. And you'll give a recommendation to the judge about what you feel is in that child's best interest. And the judge really does listen. Judge Reimer's in Walton County, and he'll listen. At the end of every time, he always says, "Casa, do you have anything else you want to tell me? Because they know that we're volunteers, that we're doing it because we love children. We're not doing it because we're being paid to. We're not having to follow any red tape that DFAX is. He wants to know, what have you found out, and what do I need to know so that I can make the best decision? So he really does rely on us um, as casas. If you are interested in knowing more, you're welcome to write on the, the cards that you have at the end of the service, and I'll be glad to contact you. You can also go online to alcovicasa.org, and it will answer any questions you have. There's an online application there. They just started a training program in January, and sometimes they'll do one during the day, and then the next time they'll do them in the evening. So they try to work around everybody's schedule and help train as much as they can. I have been doing it for about 10 years. And we have Kim Chadwick, who is in our church. She has been doing it in less than a year. She's done her training and is um, involved in her first—I think her first case still. And we have Ivy Thacker, who is also in our church, who has recently started and is going through the training currently. So we have people of all—all um, all along the spectrum—who could help you with questions and kind of let you know what's ex- expected. My—I've seen the good, good, and the bad. I have a child that I was with for eight years, and I watched her go back. I have had seen families get help, and we got them the resources they needed, and children got to go back home to their biological family, and it was a good ending. And I also had the honor to teach two children who were under my care who were adopted into wonderful, loving families, and when they got to fifth grade, I got to teach them at Sharon Elementary So, and see them flourishing. So you see all of it, but it's just a... It's a wonderful role to fill. And men, we're going to hit you guys today, but men, it's not just for us. It's not just for the women. There are a lot of boys and young men out there in the system, and they do not have a male influence at all, much less a godly male influence. And so don't count yourselves out. We can use all of you. Many people are, even my volunteer, um, not my volunteer, my staff above me, They have multiple children because we don't have enough casas, and yet we serve every child. So we definitely need lots of you.
0: Both times you were talking in the services, I thought of that story of Jesus and the disciples, and the disciples are trying to get the kids out of the way, and Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He stands a child up in their midst and said, no, unless you come into the kingdom like this, which is one of the many times that Scripture shows Jesus' emphasis on Care for, care for children, and the priority of that, and that advocate word is such an appropriate word, with what Jesus does for us before the Father, and that you get to do that in real world tangible ways as a casa.
1: And if we do it, we solve some of the future problems.
0: That you're about to hear that about. That you're about to hear yeah. about.
1: I didn't know that last time. <laughs>
0: This is Michael Giddens, and uh, Michael and I have been friends for uh, a long time. Uh, his family's been in journey pretty much close to the beginning of, of us getting started. and uh, Michael's been involved in a lot of uh, poverty ministry, community service ministry, uh, uh, much of it in downtown Atlanta, and you think of downtown Atlanta, and you do think homelessness and drugs, and yeah, there's, they got a lot of problems down there, and Michael was in the middle of all of that, and serving, and some of us got to go uh, to where he was, and we got to serve alongside Michael at various times, but Michael, in our talking the last couple of years, has, has had a desire that God would put him locally, that he could serve from where he lives in Walton County. And so, in in a a very roundabout way that would take far too long for either of us to share with you right now, but God worked that out. And recently, Michael has joined Ministry Village here in Loganville and and is directing it at the time and uh, a part of... Some, some great new ministries getting started there and I want Michael to tell you about those. they're kind of at the other end of this foster care spectrum not at the not at the newborn baby end, they're at the young adult end. Tell us about that That's Michael. correct correct.
2: Um, so first off I want to say thank you it's always a great opportunity a lot of us we always have to speak at different places a lot but it's always fun to speak to your home church. Um, I got a chance to do this a couple years ago with the little kids at VBS. Um, We thought it'd be kind of funny to get some shoes for the homeless when I was downtown. Uh, And here I am thinking we'll get maybe 20 shoes. And we ended up with just under 400 pairs of shoes. That is spread out amongst multiple organizations, and I still get calls to this day asking if I have more shoes. I'm like the shoe guy to a lot of people, <laughs> thanks to the kids here. So I know that Journey has a tremendous heart to help those in need. But Ken's right. I work here at Ministry Village, uh, and Ministry Village is best kind of you know, described as like a mall. We are We don't do any one thing. We're an organization that works with multiple programs together. They kind of can share resources, share personnel, share a building space, and we all kind of work together. Uh, we have a full-service counseling center for low-income or people with no insurance. We run a, um, uh, an outpatient drug addiction program, amongst other things. But the program that I was really excited about that I was allowed to start when I came out here is something called the Four Winds Initiative. The Four Winds Initiative is a housing-first, long-term career development program for homeless youth, who uh, have aged out of the foster care system, right? And so we take these kids, we bring them in, provide them housing and every resource they need along the spectrum to get from homelessness to self-sufficiency. And that is a very big task. But the best way to kind of describe how all this works is I'm gonna talk to you about one of our first uh, participants and the success he's had and how it all works together. Um, A kid by the name of Josh came to us about two and a half months ago or so he was an addict and had just had a very bad wreck. It was a DUI. He had tore up a bunch of property, destroyed a car. Um, had just come out of jail and the judge ordered him to come to our outpatient addiction program at Ministry Village. As soon as he got there it was very clear that he had nowhere else to go from that. He was actually staying on the couch of a friend's grandfather. Um, and So we kind of brought him in and, and as a housing first model we, we don't ask a whole lot of questions first. We just stabilize housing, and we go from there. And So we immediately got him stable, and the first thing we had to do was take him to his probation officer, and his probation officer pretty much sat down and said, hey, listen, you're going nowhere. I mean, she came this short of saying you're worthless, um, but listen, it's close to Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, so I'm not going to put you in jail, but as soon as you come back to see me on January 24th, if things aren't vastly different, then that's where you're going to go. So I have this kid who's an addict, who's got a lot of probation issues, no family, and then we get to work, all right? And so fast forward to this January 24th, we took Josh to his probation officer. He paid $1,200 towards his probation to get caught up. He still had $1,000 in his savings account. He has been drug free for 60 days, and he just started his job at a place called Panel Steel. It's a tremendous operation where he's learning to weld for a career that'll never end. Make it 14 bucks an hour, and he is clear of all of that drama that we just had a few months ago. And here's how we got there, and here's what I need from you. Josh has very little family. And a lot of these kids you're gonna hear about down the road here, they all come from you know abusive or traumatic situations. They don't have a lot of training, a lot of education, they don't have a lot of family. So we surrounded Josh with mentors. Men, I need a lot of mentors. I need 18, 19, 20 years worth of male influence in a very short period of time, especially godly influence. People that can answer crazy phone calls or just come bring a pizza by and sit down and talk and see how your day is going. We talked in the first service about the person who answers the phone call when they need a shirt for a job interview, and that's true. The first kid we got in our program when he went to his job interview wore cut-off sweatpants and flip-flops, right? So there's a lot of training that needs to go on with these life skills, and we need a lot of help, all right? Our guys come in very defeated, down on life assuming no one cares about them. And so I've got to counteract all that that the world has thrown at them. And so it's a very easy way for men to get involved, to have a high impact with a very very small amount of time given, right? If you can buy pizza you can do this job. The second thing we need is a little trickier. Um, We need good job partners. Josh was able to raise the money he did because we found people who believe in what we did and wanted to raise these kids up to get them to the point where they can go to work at a place like a panel steel and learn to whale. It's not easy, and they aren't qualified. They don't have the experience. we got to have people that can kind of say, you know what, I know this is my job, but I'm willing to also do a little ministry on the side and just put guys to work and work with us. And so if you're a small business owner or you know some division within your company that could use some entry-level work but would also work with us and our program and be patient with our guys help us mentor them on the job site you could literally help us grow that is the one thing right now that is preventing us from growing beyond the amount of kids we have right now is it's a career development program. So without the careers there's only so many guys I can take at a time so we are really looking for jobs So if you know somebody that especially in a blue collar construction landscaping manufacturing kind of environment Please get them in touch with us because that is the best way to make sure not only do we address this issue, but these kids never come back into programs like this again. We deal with it, and it's over with.
0: So when one of these guys comes into your program, you have housing. Correct, it's yeah. limited, but you have housing, that's so correct. nobody's putting anybody up. That, nope. That's not a part of what you do. You do not need your base. Yeah, exactly. But you just need somebody who will share their life and experiences. Correct, you, correct. You, you shared the story uh, maybe it was Thanksgiving, some of these guys just either hung out at your yeah, house hung or hung out so. at Jason's house mm-hmm. and talked about it for days. And yeah, they had nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah, but just the fact that they were with somebody when they're used to not being with somebody, it made a big impact. We were talking back in December, uh, Star Wars was coming out, and, and my in our conversation, Michael said, you know what, these guys want to see Star Wars too, you know, and, and sometimes we forget that, yeah, maybe just a, a small thing like two hours at a movie, bringing a pizza by, having a willingness to go to dinner and sit across from them and invest in them means a lot and especially we need men.
2: It does. It, it breeds the confidence they need that has been denied them their whole lives. That allows them to feel like they're, they matter, which allows them to take on the kind of opportunities we put in front of them. And It is the literal ingredient for success that gets them from on the streets to there is your input, your pizza, your movie.
0: And what we have to own in all of these things you're going to hear about is uh, we're not waiting on these ministries to get their act together. These ministries are waiting on the church to, to step up. And we have a wonderfully giving, and you're going to hear about some of that uh, from our church. But they're, they're just waiting for God's people to respond and, and they can grow what they're doing exponentially if we'll just, some of us will just start saying yes to doing something that's a little bit new for us, maybe a little bit out of our comfort zone, but then specifically that jobs component as well, because we have jobs, and, and so assessing, you know, could this be a part? Could Could I give a role to a kid that doesn't have a lot of skills, but needs somebody to believe in them and needs to learn a trade, needs to to learn some confidence. And maybe you're in a job that could do that, and I want you to think about that. Pam also is in ministry to young adults at that end of the spectrum, not, not the diaper end, but at the 18, 19, 20, 21 end, and has just been doing amazing work with young adults in that demographic. So, Pam, tell us about what you do.
3: Yeah, so uh, about four years ago, I started an organization um, in Georgia called Connections Homes. We're actually the first organization in the United States to approach this uh, population in this way. And what we do is we work with young adults that are 18 to 24 that have aged out of foster care or are homeless without family. Because just like Michael was just talking about, these kids... You know, they are all a part of a system that's built around making you dependent. Mm -hmm. Foster care. It does everything for you on behalf of you because the risks are great to the state who's ultimately responsible or to the foster families in whose care these kids are. But then you turn 18 or 21 and your parent, the state of Georgia, goes away forever. And you're expected to do all of this on your own. And I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I was 18, 19, and 20, I got, I call it stuck on stupid, a lot. You know, (laughs) I, I just made a whole lot of mistakes. And if it weren't for the, you know, mature individuals in my life that knew more than me and had more experiences than me, I don't know where I would have been. And these kids end up out there in the world with no one to call, no one to call when um, they're having a birthday. I remember when we first started, we sat down with a group of 25 kids, and we asked them, you know, you're going to be turning 21, and you'll age out of foster care officially. What is your 21st, what does that look like for you? And this one young man raised his hand, and he said, well, I imagine on my 21st birthday that I'm going to go to Kroger and get a cupcake and go back to my apartment and Mm -hmm. eat it by myself. Yep. And it just broke my heart because something as simple as having somebody to remember your birthday or to be there for the job interview or when Journey and David and Lisa Hennessy were were involved with one of our young people who uh, had nowhere to go. She's got two little boys, had nowhere to go at Thanksgiving, and she spent Thanksgiving at the (laughs) Hennessy's. And then a few weeks later, her car broke down. And um, here's a 19-year-old girl, and her car won't start. What do you do? You don't, you, you would call dad, right? Mm-hmm. For most of us. Yep. So, David went and over there, and it was a battery issue, and it was something simple, but without somebody to call, she would have lost her job and would have lost childcare and would have been right back into homelessness. These kids are one crisis away sometimes from homelessness. And so, what we do is we train up mentoring families. We call them mentoring families because it looks different for every young person. Um, to step into these kids' life and take that phone call and um, be that person who is going to help them budget and help them have a place to go at Thanksgiving, a place to go at Christmas, somebody to call. And our kids don't live in your home. We're not moving them into your home. (laughs) Uh, We don't need your basement either. (laughs) So um, our kids mostly are stably housed, but in the scenario that I just used, sometimes (coughs) that stable housing is iffy. Um, and they need somebody there to help them along the way. And it really is just a commitment to be, you know, a, a stable lifelong person who's going to always know their name and pick up their, the phone call. Uh, in 2015, Harvard did a study on at-risk kids, those who made it and those who don't. And they found that the one difference between kids who make it and kids who don't is, is they had one person, a connection in their life who believed in them and spoke into their lives. Mm -hmm. So uh, like Ken, I mean like Michael, I said Ken, (laughs) um, like Michael, we we need mentors, mentoring families who will step in and be a part of a young person's life. We have boys and girls. We have them anywhere between the ages of 18 and 24. We have them right here in Walton County. And um, we just need those people. And if you want to get involved, you can put that on your Connect card at the end. There is a sign-up sheet um, out in the lobby that you can sign up on as well.
0: And uh, like you were saying, you're not asking for a basement. You're not asking for us to pay for their college tuition. You're just asking for us to be present. And, Birthday and th- cakes and turkey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That. And like with the Hennessy's, uh, this, was, this was a young lady, a young mom who has a job, w- wants to work, does work, but there was nobody to call when there was a minor issue with a vehicle, and we could be those people yeah. for them.
3: And we have one young man, he's not in this area, but he is aging out of foster care, and he needs a kidney. And um, the, they t- turned him down. For the kidney transplant list because he doesn't have a support system. Wow. So I mean that's that's like on the whole other end of the spectrum, but yeah. that's real. I mean these kids are running up against real things that just just people can make a difference. Yeah.
0: Next to Sherry, we're gonna we're gonna switch back to the the kid end, elementary uh, that age, uh, and what Sherry does. So Sherry, tell us about the ministry you're involved in.
4: Thank you. Good morning, Journey. Thank you, (laughs) okay, so I work, I'm a preschool teacher. Um, So I work at the PATH Project and we are community outreach for, uh, in in trailer park communities and our families are mostly Mexican immigrant families. They're all at the poverty level and for our children, they most, they, the majority of them speak Spanish first. And because of that, there's a little bit of a disconnect. When they get to school, they struggle a lot. Most of them are behind in their reading levels. So we have programs that our families can attend for free. Sometimes they make commitments by helping us provide snack or doing repairs at our facilities for us, just so that they have some accountability um, and investment in our programs. So we really focus on academic, spiritual, and social opportunities for the children. Our main goal is just to make sure that they know that God loves them and that God has a plan for their future. I am also not looking for your basement. I am looking for the possibility, I mean seriously, I'm looking for maybe an hour of your time every week. Our staff is small. At at my facility there's four of us and we're split between two different trailers. So we're looking for volunteers to help us make our program successful and to invest in our kids. There are opportunities to love on preschool babies. We have uh, elementary school kids who need help with homework. Even if you're not a teacher, even if you're not good at it, I kind of tap out at second grade math, but we can Google it. (laughs) Um, We can find ways to make it work. Just loving on them and showing up every week is really what's most important. And we really need those role models for our middle and high school um, students as well. So you can come try it once. If it's not a fit for you, we're still gonna love you. You can pray for us because that, that's important for our ministry as well. Um, this is also an opportunity we And I meant to mention high school students are also welcome to join us for this opportunity as well. So and I
0: meant to mention this uh, at the end after you guys left. So I don't forget it, I'll mention it now. If you have a million dollars in your checkbook that you you're dying to get rid of. Uh, especially these three, uh, they could talk to you about how to make it into a trust or a grant or h- how to put that to work. Or if you don't have a million, if you if financially is the way God uses you and, and what God is speaking to you, then all of these uh, that you've heard from. Uh, they, they certainly would use that, and it, it can come through. It doesn't have to come through Journey; it can go straight to them. Uh, we wouldn't keep any of it because they do an incredible things. So that's something to consider as well. Dana Kitchens is a part of uh, Journey's foster care care team. Ministry. She, along with Angela Valenzuela, lead that ministry, and and it it just got started not too long ago, and God has just grown it, uh, a care team at a time, a family at a time, and so Dana's going to share with you about that ministry.
5: Good morning. Thank you. It was so fitting. I felt that I was the last one to talk because there are so many ways that we can support children in foster care, but today I don't want to talk about being a foster parent, providing respite care being an advocate, I want to talk to you just about joining a care team. When I went to my initial training, they asked us to give one word that we thought represented foster care slash DFACS. Seeing as I work in the public school system and I adopted through DFACS, I have more than one word I could have shared with them. (laughs) Um, But I'd like for you to take a moment and think about what is the one word you would say. over half the participants in my group used the word broken and so no matter what your word was I have to believe it was not very positive that comes on the heels of a study that followed 600 former foster children less than half of them were employed at age 23 by 24 6 percent had two or four-year degrees more than two-thirds of the young ladies at that age already had children nearly 60% of the males had been convicted of a crime and almost 25 had experienced homelessness when we come closer and we think about just in the state of Georgia we have 9,000 children in care but we have 10,000 churches let's let that sink in again so we have 9,000 children in foster care and we have 10,000 churches in the state of Georgia what if the church was the one that solved that problem what if every church successfully taken on this one child and we gave God all the glory? Journey has successfully taken on this mission. We currently have several foster families in our church. Any of you that are parents know how hard parenting is be, is and just think about those extra layers you add when you're a foster parent. So that's the goal of a care team. A care team in my words, the mission of a care team is to support Christian foster families and make it where Christians will answer the call to foster, and that after they do it once, they'll do it again. A care team is a very small commitment that has a very large return. Let me tell you what it looks like. There are four to five families that create a care team. Each family provides dinner once a month, and we cover that family in prayer. I'll tell you, one of the ladies in our church that has a care team will tell you that Tuesday night is her appointment day. She knows dinner's coming on Tuesday. That's when she plans therapy appointments. That's when she plans doctor's appointments. That's when she plans anything she can so th- because she knows she's going to have supper that night. My husband and I serve on a care team, and our goal is always that we take a home-cooked meal. I will tell you, I have hit Shane's barbecue several times on the way, and just the other night I sat in the car and ordered Papa John's from the basketball game. But you know what? It doesn't matter. What matters is these families know they have dinner coming once a week from a family that is praying for them, thinking about them, and supporting them. Each team has a team leader that communicates with the family and updates with us with prayer requests and any needs that there are. We're trying to start a new ministry also a date night. We'd like to give these couples that are fostering, let's give them a night out without their biological children or their foster children and let them go have dinner and talk. So I know everyone is busy but when you really think about what a small commitment it is, your only commitment is that you pray regularly, you'll provide dinner once a month, and we're not even going to make you come babysit at date night. You can. (laughs) The result is this family has four to five families praying for them. They know they have four to five families that are thinking of them. And they know that dinner's taken care of once a week. And again soon, they're gonna maybe have a date night a couple times where they can go out and work on their marriage. If you go back and you think of the statistics I shared earlier or what you've heard all the way down the line, I want you to imagine if these children were raised in Christian homes? What if they had a team of families around them supporting them, praying for them? Do you believe their journey would be different? That is how many caring adults does it take to change the life of a child? That answer is just one. That's all we need. Angela Kenner, I would love to talk to you about any of these opportunities. If you'll write your name, And care team information on your connection card will be in touch with you. You ask them for more information, it's not committing you to anything except for answering that one phone call and talking with us. Thank you.
0: All of these people will be in the hallway afterwards if there's one or more that you want to talk to and get more information from. But before they leave, would you thank them one more time? (laughs) How. What a testimony to the world it would be if God's people uh, answered the call to foster, answered the call to adopt, surrounded those who fostered and adopted, if you're not called to that, surrounded them with a support network. And then when a child aged out of foster care, we were there again to be support and encouragement, and to give them a chance. We had baby dedication this morning. We, we baptized some kids uh, in both services. But the reality is there is, a, there is an immigrant living in a trailer park in our area that barely speaks English who loves her baby every bit as much as any of the families that sit up here this morning. Wants the best for her babies every bit as much as anyone who stood up here this morning. There's a 20-year-old that's aged out of foster care that deserves a chance just as much as your kids deserve a chance. They just deserve a chance. They deserve for somebody to believe in them, to believe in who they could be. And they deserve to be loved. And experience the love of Jesus in their life. And I know that we're not going to get to the end of this day and 400 of us all sign up. I I get it. Uh, We're at different seasons. We have different things going on. But at some point, at some point, all of us have to ask, what have I done about the least of these? What have I personally done about children at risk and people who live on the margins? What have I done? And I want to get to the end of my life and I would, but I, did I, couldn't, I didn't do everything. Maybe I didn't even do as much as I hoped I would, but I did something. Maybe 2018 is the year that you do something, that I do something. And yeah, it's going to be new to some of us. But maybe this is the year. I want to pray. We're going to give you the opportunity to give. And thank you because part of what you give goes to support this. We don't, we don't keep everything that you give here. We, we give money away to support what these people are doing. And so thank you that you give so faithfully uh, here at Journey. And like I said, you may want to give outside of journey. You may want to give directly to them. Great, that would be awesome. Let's be faithful into what God leads us to do in our giving now. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've given to us, the homes, the support networks. The fact that for most of us, maybe for all of us, if an emergency happened in our life this afternoon, we would have somebody to pick up the phone and call. If the car broke down, if, if we got laid off, if we couldn't get to work tomorrow, we, we could pick up the phone. And for most of us, there's a long list of people we could call. But there's some people trying to make it in the world and they don't have anybody to call. Help us to step into that. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.